Hello, sunbeams. Hello, babies. Hola, mi de sol. Today is just one of those days where I'm so excited to be alive. Ah! We just finished our raining season for the most part in California, and nature is teeming and thriving with such jubilee and excitement. The green earth is so vibrant, it's almost a gold yellow green. And the grass is tall, growing across the meadow. And the flowers are blooming with such deep hues. The purples, the blues, the reds. It's vibrant. As they bathe in the afternoon sun, the earth is smelling like fresh dreams and new love. As nature plays in the shrubbery, catching the currents like kites. And for once, I feel like I can breathe and have a life without worries. I just wanted to share this blessing as I sit peacefully in the park with a ladybug on my shoulder, wild bunnies thumping around, and birds soaring high above me. Thank you for tuning in. Just wanted to sprinkle a little bit of happiness onto your day. Hello, hello. Today we are going to dive deeper into the subjects I often avoid. My sunbeams who are on my live often hear me say several times, I'm not perfect, I do have struggles, and things aren't always sunny. But I know because I am such an emblem of hope, and I have literally been compared to the sun, I can understand how some of you still don't believe it. So today... I thought I would be more vulnerable and show all of my cards, let you see the real me, share some thoughts and experiences that have shaped me. I hope we can trust each other. I hope that you see the flaws and all. First, let me tell you a little bit about my upbringing. It was always bright and colorful as far as aesthetics, my adoptive parents' culture, Panamanian is filled with so much beauty, pride, and just overall cheer. It's a very celebratory culture, very laid back and easy. Um, at least that's how I experienced it. My earliest memory is my mom driving us places and blasting artists like Celia Cruz, Ruben Blade, Johnny Pachichio, and so many other Latin American artist, and she would sing at the top of her lungs, la 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 bamba, doo -doo -doo -doo. and it was so wonderful and fun, while I sat happily in the back, just enjoying it. So yeah, not bad. I grew up being raised by everyone, family, friends, church, culture, God, and while the sense of community is wonderful, it can also be dangerous. I was born and raised Seventh-day Adventist, and my experience with the church isn't always a good one. As I said, I was raised by everyone, and just because you have a church past doesn't make you a good person. A lot of abuse, disrespect, and bullying occurred here. I would say a huge chunk of my trauma came from everyone having the ability to discipline and talk to me anyway. My church was very conservative to the point where they had an idea of what a good Christian should say, act, be like. 
yeah. I went to the type of church where members would take you to the back and spank you if your mom didn't. Or tell you to put clothes on or take off something if they felt the need to. I also had a lot of creepy predatory experiences as well. As a young woman, I bloomed in the church. I was there before puberty hit. And for some reason, it became public knowledge when I did become a young lady. I got a lot of new attention from older people and always a lack of boundaries and personal space. I'll never forget this one lady kissed me directly on the lips, ill, <laughs> and told me in a very forceful way to call her auntie. And when I didn't, she would become upset. She was also very mentally ill. And I also experienced a lot of undressing with the eyes for older men and comments about my body. I'll never forget this one guy. Again, it's always with these people trying to take on a parental figure. Told me that I need to work out. And just, he was making comments about my body and how it's looked. And yeah, yeah, not the best memory. Also, because of my soft nature and demeanor and very low self-esteem, I was an easy target to be picked on. But what was surprising was I was bullied by adults at this church, grown-ass people. As I was probably like 11, 12, maybe 14, but they would call me names like retarded, slow, promiscuous. I would often get yelled at, pushed to the side, and always a lack of boundaries. But it was in the name of love and God's will, right? But let me let me slow down. I also found sanction in this place. Love, encouragement, and growth. I had an amazing pastor. Shout out to Pastor Books. <laughs> who always held space for me and made me feel less judged. This place gave me thick skin because if you could survive this church, you were built different. The truth was I had to learn to separate people from God. I had to look for a source of love that was safe and stable and pure because the world outside of my church was a war as well. I don't mean to be like, woe is me, but the biggest source of bullying came from home. I often talk about my toxic, emotional, unavailable relationships um, with my, you know, guardians at home. Let me just be clear. My whole family is toxic including me. I just think I'm the first one to acknowledge it and try to heal. But we're all a mess. Me and my sister sometimes have those trauma jokes. And I know some of you guys can relate where it's just dark, but you guys are laughing. Yeah, we often do that as we talk about our upbringing. Yeah, but my family came from the roots of trauma, survival, and making a home as immigrants in a new and unf unfair world. So there was no time for healing. I came from the cliche of hot-blooded, Latin-tempered household, relatives always screaming, fighting, no one listening or communicating, and the role a woman is supposed to take in the household. I get it. I got the best of both worlds. African-American household with the Caribbean and the Latina it was just a bag of crazy at home. 
I don't know if you guys watch um, 90 Day Fiance, I think that's what it's called. Um, but the one with Pedro and I forgot who he married. But that's the best reference I can give to what my household was like. We were just as crazy as them. But yeah, um, the mild way of putting it is my household was a war field at its worst and at its best, a necessary refuge for people who wouldn't have stayed if they had any other choice. I was always taught it was a sign of disrespe disrespect to speak, share, um, share opinions, and step out of the hierarchy of a child and parent dynamic. So I, I was raised with children are to be seen, not heard type of thing. There was no creativity. There was no expressing yourself. I was never asked what I wanted to wear or what I wanted to eat. I wasn't a person. That's the best way I can describe it. And also expressing myself was a trigger. I remember my tears as a child would often fluster my mom, trigger her to anger, or end up being lectured and called sensitive or in need of a backbone. There was no physical boundaries within my culture. There's no privacy and no space. Ain't no locked doors in my Afro-Latina household. I'll never forget the day my friend dropped something off at my house. It was a magazine with my pop star crush, Jesse McCartney, at that time. I don't want another pretty face. Yeah, you guys know. If you know, you know. Um, and she left it with my family. So I wasn't there. And weeks later, my friend was like, hey, did you get the magazine I dropped off? I never got it, guys. I was so confused. I was like, what's going on? Only to find out that my family threw it out. And weeks later, when I confronted them, they said they disposed of it because I didn't need it. So they had opened it and they were like, what are all these white people doing on this magazine? You don't need this. This is garbage, right? They would also go through my belongings, read my diary, um, bust into my room while I was changing. Man, the shower wasn't safe. <laughs> I'm just telling you guys, if you can env envision this upbringing. I'm saying all of this to explain to you how I became who I am today and what struggles I have. I learned really quickly in school boundaries and what was and wasn't appropriate because I remember middle school, elementary school, people were always like, you're weird, like back up. Why don't you have personal space? I learned really quickly that my house, you can do those things, but in the real world, there are consequences. Thank goodness. Um, and I think because of that, I became hyper aware of space, people. Um, how do I say this? I was very observant, always reading body languages, looking to make them comfortable. Um, this still ties into people pleasing, but it's more of like I'm very aware of space because I want them to feel safe. And I would often make myself small in order for you to feel okay. And I still do that today, pretty much less, but I'm still very aware. So I would say my hardest struggle as an adult is standing up for myself. This is something I struggle with in 2023. 
in a clear, assertive way. Although I'm better, it still takes everything. My voice shakes and I look like I'm about to cry in uncomfortable situations. I still have bad anxiety. And I think that is because if I spoke in my household to express something, it would definitely be confrontation. My mom had a pretty nice backhand. She was swift with it. I remember one time she busted my lip. I don't know what I said, but it could have been something as simple as I interrupted while the adults were speaking. And my mom would hit you with that one-two combo. So yeah, I think as an adult, I still carry that little scared little girl because I wasn't taught that I had a value. That was something I've been learning. And I notice how it affects me today. So in every job I've had, there's going to be some type of tension. That's just how it goes. People are getting to know each other. You have to reassess boundaries. You have to relearn what people do and don't like. So there's always going to be this in whatever job you do. And I think for most people who haven't had this trauma, it's very simple to be like, hey, don't do that. Like, you know, this is a boundary. It doesn't have to make sense. Just chill. But for me, it's like the end of the world. Um, I've been told that my tone and energy does not convert to the meaning of boundaries. So in basic terms, I'm too soft-spoken to be taken seriously, is what I've been told. Because there's a difference between saying, hey, don't do that, and a sharp, direct, don't do that. And I'm going to be honest, it's frustrating to me that the world just can't be kind just out of integrity. I hate the idea that I have to be quote-unquote aggressive, loud, anything other than myself to be treated with respect. Like, why do I have to scream to get my point across? Uh, I'll just be honest with you guys. I think I've mentioned this briefly, but now I think I'm ready to talk more about it. My last job really messed me up. I was a nanny and uh, it was such a hard time for me. I cried a lot. I was so mean to myself and just mentally, I it kind of lingered. It put me in a bad space. I think it broke me a little bit. Um, because I believe my past employer truly didn't respect me. So I'll tell you guys what happened. As a nanny, um, I directly stated my terms of pay, my boundaries as far as traveling with the family went. We spoke about that and we reached an agreement, one that I thought we were both okay with. So it happened the first time I traveled with them. Um, One of the agreements was I needed my own space and they had to cover the expenses of traveling and food. And my part of the deal was like I would take care of their kid and I wouldn't charge them a lot because they were already spending money on me. So fast forward, the first time I traveled with them, they put me in a room to sleep with a stranger. It was one of their family members, but a stranger to me. I had only seen them in passing or maybe spoke to them once or twice at that point. I in no means felt comfortable to sleep. We're going somewhere new and different. I have my own sleep issues and you're going to put me in a room with a stranger? That's weird. 
Um, and it was the way they did it that felt disrespectful. They waited until the last minute, the last day. We had been planning this trip for months. And they waited until the last very second to say, by the way, there's been some last minute changes. We're so sorry. There's nothing we can do about it. And you'll be bunking with family members. That felt really sneaky because up until then, I checked in all the time. I said, how's it going? What's the accommodations? So they had every chance to tell me, why do you wait until the bags are packed and we get in the car to say that, you know? It's like, well, shit, I don't have anywhere to go. What do you expect me to say? I told them immediately that this wasn't appropriate or what we had agreed upon. And next time I needed my own private space. Um, I found out later that it, was, it wasn't last minute. They had planned to do it just to save money, I suppose. Then after that, I noticed other problems, like my pay was starting to be irregular. I always had to beg, and that was a little pet peeve of mine. Every week, I had to beg and remind my employer to pay me. They never just did it on their own. So I noticed the pay, as I said, started to be irregular and less and less. And they gave me a reason, mind you, and the date of when the issue would be rectified. So at this point, they were running a tab until then, and I was working for free until the situation was taken care of. Mind you, I want to say this, they did pay me twice in a time frame of two months, but I was on a weekly payment plan, and their debt was over a thousand. Um, let me be clear, I was communing, communicating with them often. I saw them almost every day, and almost every day I would ask, how's it going? Is things fixed? What's going on with the pay? And it was always an excuse or just poor communication. For example, they would say, I'll have it on Tuesday. Tuesday would come and go, and it would be crickets. And mind you, if I didn't bring it up, they weren't volunteering. They would just look me in the eye and continue as if they don't have to pay me, you know? Um... Yeah, so that was kind of, for me, that was frustrating. I was like, why am I begging for our paycheck? Another thing they would often say is, you'll get it soon, we'll get it soon. Don't worry about it. We are doing the best to get it to you. It was very vague answers. So fast forward, we had a trip coming up again, and the agreement was the same. You'll pay for expenses, the room, food, that was covered. Nothing had changed from our agreement. So I'm going on this trip, guys, with pennies and emptying out my savings because I didn't have any money. They hadn't given me anything for weeks. But I'm but I'm not the type of person to go anywhere without money. I just don't have that trust, especially to new places. And I'm so glad I didn't because when we got to our destination and it was food time, I was sitting there waiting for them to order me something because that's how we usually do. And they're looking at me and I'm looking at them. Nobody's saying anything. I'm like, um, like what? And they ask me, what do you want to eat? And I'm telling them and they're They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to get some food and da, 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 da. But it became clear that I was paying for my own food very quickly. And I was just like, this is what I'm talking about. You guys don't communicate. I know that you've been having some issues, but
but I felt like the respectful thing to do would be like before I got on this trip. I know finances have been sketch lately. You know, I understand if you don't want to go, but here's the new terms. You know, just say anything. So fast forward, they didn't pay for anything but breakfast once during the whole week trip. And on top of that, not only did they not pay me, but they also, I had to cover the expenses of their child. They were gone for business 95% of the time. I probably saw them once during the whole trip. They just left me with their kid. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm not an evil person. I guess I'm going to pay for, you know, your child as well. I won't even tell you guys the tab that was ran up. Um, But I was just so annoyed and upset. I was like, how can you do this? Um, So you think after this trip that they would be rushing to pay me all that they owed me. Yeah, no, that's not what happened, guys. But let me be clear again so there's no misunderstanding. They did pay me twice during the duration of six weeks, as I said before. But it was still about one third of what they owed me. And it truly wasn't about the money for me. It was the lack of respect. I just felt like they genuinely didn't care. That was the vibe. I just felt like they couldn't be bothered. I would call them, they would ignore my calls. Every time I asked for a a clear date or some type of resolution, they wouldn't give it to me. It became like a cat and mouse game in a weird way. And then it came down to they just straight lied one time. And I respect honesty a lot more. So finally, I got tired of it. And I told them, I said, I can't come to work until we resolve this. Or I have some assurance that you are going to keep your word because you haven't been for the past weeks. Me being assertive went left. My employer was deeply offended and said they would be considering my future position with them, aka they might fire me. I was shocked, guys. I was staring at my phone like, what? I genuinely expected a... I'm sorry for our poor communication and broken promises, avoidance and lying, and we value you and would like to come and sit down and talk amicably and reach an understanding. That's what I expected, honestly, (laughs) or something to that simplicity, because I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't understand. They also told me, I think this was a cherry on the top for me, they told me the reason I hadn't received Anything that they owed me was, A, they did rectify the original situation of why they couldn't pay me, but they said they had bills to pay and other expo- and other expenses, which is why they couldn't get back to me in a timely manner. And in my head, I was like, wow, because I'm a child, right? And I don't have adult responsibilities as well. Anyway, despite everyone telling me, that it wasn't my fault. It was tough. I loved my little poopa. I did a video, um, I think once or twice with my poopa, which is a kid that I nannied and took care of and enjoyed getting to know the family. Uh, that's why I think I took it a little personally as well, because we had a good rapport. I kept replaying it in my mind of what I could have done better. I tried calling and communicating several times 
to the point where I was ignored. I tried being nice and understanding, and that just left me broke. Like, I was wondering, why does this always happen to me? Why am I the person that always gets taken advantage of? I can't change my voice. I can't change my face. The fact that I look nice. Like, I don't know what I'm to do. How do I protect me? Because I'm not, I know I'm not perfect. And I don't believe in blaming the world for who I am. But I really do hate that assertive in this situation equates to being a bitch. I feel like if I yelled and started turning tables over, maybe that would have gotten better results. I just genuinely felt like they took advantage of my niceness and was like, oh, you know, she won't mind. You know, it's fine. Don't worry about her rent or her life or the fact that she's showing up every day for a job that you're not paying her for. You know, I don't know. But yes, I really internalized it, as I said, and it shook my spirit a little bit because it isn't the first time I've run into employers not wanting to pay me or pay me on time or pay me the full amount, whatever the issue is. Um, And again, I've always been told you're just too nice. You're just too nice. So now as an adult and the more I get into, you know, growing and experiencing, I'm starting to be guarded. I noticed that about myself. So when you first meet me, Sunbeams, I might not come off as warm and as friendly as I do in the videos because I notice a shift in energy. It feels heavier. It's still light, but it's definitely a heaviness about it, a lack of trust in people. I feel like, you know, nice people deserve to be treated well, too. And I hate that the first thing I have to show you for someone who doesn't know me is this side that says, don't fuck with me. But I know it's also in nature as well. I, I get it. Trust me, I do. It's just hard when that, those aren't the tools I feel like God equipped me with. I look like a teddy bear. <laughs> I have that problem as well. I just look cute. I have people who come up to me and they're just like, oh, <laughs> I know. Woe is me. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, I'm going off a little bit, but I think you understand people pleasers and people who have been walked over their whole life with either or not they try to be assertive or set boundaries. I know you understand. As a creative, I feel like I fall in this in between. Um, From a kid, I was diagnosed but not treated for ADHD And not to self-diagnose, but I'm pretty sure I'm a little autistic. I lack motivation for anything I do not want to do. And let me be clear, motivation is energy. I am just physically too dry, tired, sorry. It could also be my depression, PTSD, anxiety, and other mental health issues. But I found that once you're on the spectrum, you're on the spectrum. All of these mental health issues overlap if anybody's noticed. But regardless, I never feel like I fit in. And the older I get, the less cute it becomes. I feel like since I turned 30 last year, there's now this impending doom of definition, this desire, I don't know, this new weight of having it all figured out. And the thing is, I don't fit in. 
I don't fit into a nine to five. I literally have tried it. This isn't just privilege speaking. This is me trying these things and getting very sick. Every time I'm not in an environment that doesn't support me, it takes a toll physically because my, I don't know how to explain it, but everything is so internalized. Everything for me is in the body. So I literally get so many headaches when I work in retail. I'm sick. I'm dizzy. It's like my body doesn't have an anchor. It's just so sensitive to everything. And yes, I'm working on that. Yes, I am on therapy. But still, it's like when I tell people, I don't desire to work. I don't want to work. Um, everyone laughs or they're like, tough luck. You're going to learn really soon. My mom has been telling me since I'm a kid. She was like, you need to settle down and find yourself. As you guys know, my dream is to be an author, writing books, traveling all over the world, waking up in new places, telling my story, speaking, moving, you know, changing people's life. And while that will always be the dream, regardless, that dream doesn't put bread on the table. It doesn't pay rent, at least not yet for me. It's a work in progress. And I pray that one day it will be enough that my dreams can support this capitalistic life that we have to play into. But it's deeper than that. Where do the kind people go? Where do the too sensitive people go? Where do, where do the people who are clearly having mental obstacles like ADHD, autism, and other disabilities go? Because that's technically what it's listed under. But they're not enough to be supported. Like, because my autism isn't severe, or my belief in autism isn't severe enough, nothing about my life is changing. Same thing with my ADHD. It's not like they write me a check every month, you know, for this. It's not like I get to stay home. I have to wake up and be an adult. I also, I'm very smart, always have been, have been in school, have been, you know, book smart, as my family says. They always clarify that. They're like, she's book smart, but social, she is really behind, <laughs> you know. Um, so where do the people that are too smart, but also too, I guess, behind, where do they go? It's just this weird place. I don't know where I fit in, and I'm getting worried you know, as time goes by, my mom's getting older, my family's getting older. Right now, everything that I have in my life is truly a blessing. I wonder, when it comes down to taking care of myself, will I be able to do that? Will I ever find a job that supports me, that supports my mental health, that really enriches me? And I think we all desire that. I think truly we all, if we have to work, Instead of just playing in the beautiful earth that God gave us, if we have to work, can there be a job just for us? Perfect. So I'm stuck. And can we survive off of that job? <laughs> so I, I feel like I'm stuck and I feel like I have to have answers. I was looking about, I was looking to go back to school lately. That's been my newest thing. Been looking at classes. What should I do? What field? And a lot of things don't interest me. This idea of working doesn't interest me. 
And I want to be clear because I know this is people are going to be like, you're lazy. That's what you're saying. And don't get me wrong. I love to work. I love to do something meaningful. I know how valuable time is. And I don't want my last moments and seconds to be, you know, slaving away for a capitalistic culture. And death is expensive, too. I just found that out. I was today years old when I found out you can't even really die for free if you want um, a ceremony or a funeral or whatever you call it. So, you know, it's so sad. I just genuinely feel like it's a tough position. And I know there are people in different countries. I know that I have privileges. I understand that living in the United States gives me privileges. And I don't take that for granted. I really don't. And that's why I want to be a marker of change. I really do. Because I understand that it's a blessing to have options, to have the ability to go from poverty to wealth. I do understand that. I just wish I had the energy again to tap into that, to know better, to focus. Having ADHD is not cute. It's never been cute. And I think on top of that trauma and life, it makes it worse. Like, I keep joking, but it's not funny when I say I have a Dory brain. It really makes life hard. And I've definitely noticed people staring at me and wondering, like, is she slow? Is she good? So, yeah, I know everything will work out the way it was, the way it was meant to be. But I'm wondering what will be the cost. And that's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of the cost. So these are just a few vulnerabilities I wanted to share with you. Hopefully you guys understand me a little better. Hopefully we can talk about it. What have you learned? What has your journey and experiences been like? What do you struggle with? I'm more open to this conversation as I get older um, how can we change? That's a bigger thing. How as how see the ADHD, I can't even talk. That's literally how it is. I have several trains in my mind, trains of thoughts, and I literally can't get the words out. But I guess my question is, what can we do as a society? How can we be the marker of change? Again, thank you guys for listening. I'm so grateful. I want to tell you guys a little bit about what's coming up, share some projects, what I expect this year from the Sunbeam community. So stay tuned. Hold you not so far in love with me. If I won't give you everything you need, Thank you for tuning in. That was Solomon's song, Listen Up. You can find him on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. All I know is that his first name is Solomon. So go to YouTube, type in Solomon, Listen Up, and it's a blue video. You should definitely see it. Beautiful. Anyway, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. We are getting into the creativity slash info part of our segment where I tell you what's going on in the Sunbeam community, what I hope to accomplish and share a little bit of creativity. This space is always so vibrant and fun. So yeah, don't 
don't shut off now. Let's listen. All right, so we are going to be doing some meditation in the park this year. I'm so excited for my Californian sunbeams. You're more than welcome to join. I will start releasing dates very soon. It will more than likely be Sunday mornings. And we are going to breathe together. We will also be doing Zoom workshops for my peeps all over the world, my beautiful petals. And that will be a self-love meets creativity workshop where I'll teach you how to write and heal, paint and heal, draw and heal. We will be tapping into all creative modes in which ways we can express our feelings. I promise you I will be giving away gold in these workshops. You don't want to miss it. I also have a meet and greet planned somewhere in the summer. I can say that. I want you guys to have the most beautiful weather. Maybe we can go to the beach together. Maybe we can go to the Getty Museum. Somewhere low-key, I promise. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. I'm trying to do some more activities. Maybe a spa night. Maybe a game night. Maybe just us gals doing something. Who knows? But I will release a calendar as soon as I can confirm some of these dates. But right now, as you guys know, my dream is to be a best-selling author. And I want to share some pieces with you from my new book that is not out yet, but it will be and you can pre-order it when it does. It's called Flowers That Bloom From Vines. And we're talking about the moments after. What do we do after trauma? What do we do after heartbreak? What lessons does it teach us? This is going to be similar to everything the light touches in the sense that it's poetry, affirmation, life lessons. I don't know, cinematic angst. Call it what you like. It's me in a book and we're healing and learning together. So how about I share a little bit with you? All right, so here's a little piece I wrote. Here's a sample. This one is called Healing. Healing can feel like cleaning up the day after a big parade. The once gray concrete adorned in colorful confetti, plastic cups, trash, and the remnants of a good celebration. The smell of stale bear and optimism wavering in your nostrils. I always wondered who cleans up after parades. It's unfair as the mess goes on and on for miles simply because you did not make this mess. Or maybe you did, but you never imagined the extent. The crowd has already disappeared, feet moving away without a lingering thought as to who has to pick up the pieces when it's all said and done. The wind is cruel, pushing the burdens and the hurt along. And sometimes you have to clean in the dark. Healing feels like you're the one cleaning up everyone's mess. The people who touched you, didn't love you, took your hurt, left their marks, bruises on your heart, bleeding and lost. It wasn't fair. I hope one day you get to be the one celebrating and not the one cleaning up. All right, my second piece is called Day One. Day One. The beginning rarely hurts. It's often the aftermath of it all. The ashen gray that stifles the light. 
the density of feeling, the heaviness of pain. You lost. You lost. That's the only truth of the matter. Maybe you lost your identity, your hope, your sense of beauty and empathy. Maybe you lost your king or queen, the person who makes life matter, standing in the middle of ruins, shards protruding through your sore and tenderness, waiting for this moment to pass. In a storm, do you ever wonder why the waves rise? We know of currents, but why? Science would say it's the friction between the air and water. And when the waves form, the wind grips the surface. I would say it's the war between the heart and mind. And when the heart swells, it tramples upon the earth. Like the waves, it rises to the highest perspective and anchors itself in nature. The irrefutable truth is that after storms, nature finds itself. The waves recede back to the ocean. Light breaks across the sky. And time moves forward with the grace of a queen's robe sweeping across a marble floor. After storms, the wreckage is yours. The past is cluttered in a mix of garbage and rich elements. Life regenerates and waves frolic in the black and blue ripples of the ocean surface. So be kind. It's day one. It won't hurt today. Today will feel numb, lethargic, like a surreal dream. You must feel like you're dancing on clouds. Time might slow down for you like a blanket made of stars. You know that things shine in the dull ebony of night, but not you. Fall into the waves, fall into the stars, fall into a place that is calm beyond the ether. Sleep, pray, relax. It's okay not to feel. Right now, it isn't about falling in love. It's about loving whatever's left after a storm. Day one.